Amen, Lord. We are so glad that your goodness came chasing us down in this world where we were lost in the depravity of it, lost in the depravity of our own sin. But you chased us down, and you came after us. I always wondered why the prodigal son in the Bible is talked about that prodigal son when it was really the chasing father, the running after father, the father who loved his son so much that he ran out to him when he came back. And that's a picture of you, Lord, our righteous God, our righteous father who came chasing after us when we returned home. Oh, Lord, blessed be your holy name. Thank you for chasing us. Some of us, you might have just called us in an instant and we responded. And others, Lord, had to go through the hard knocks of life to get where we're at today. And then finally it dawned on us and we were hit like with a lead balloon that Jesus Christ is Lord. That you wanted us to serve him and we've been made for your glory. And Lord, today... Father, there's a whole host of people out there. Joel tells us there's multitudes, multitudes in the, in the, the uh, valley of decision. And Jesus himself told us the fields are white for harvest, Lord. We're ready to be picked. Lord, let them be picked today, not just by, by this particular little church, but, Lord, all the churches are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord. May today be the day that many people Millions, hopefully billions, will respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ and be saved. Job wrote it years ago, the age-old question. The age-old question was, if a man dies, shall he live again? Well, Jesus answered that loud and clear in Revelation chapter 11. Not Revelation, but John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And though you were dead, yet shall you live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Oh, praise you, Lord God. That age-old question is answered. And then Job continues to say, All these days of my life is a struggle. And then the last part of it, he says, Until the change comes. And that change, Lord, was the day we changed our vision for your vision. It was the day that we changed our will to your will. What a beautiful day that was, Lord. That's our goal today in life. Every Christian that breathes the breath of the Holy Spirit and has received Christ as their Savior, that is our prayer, Lord, that your will be done in our lives and use us for your glory, Lord. Help us to help you. Let this kingdom come to this earth by working for you in this world. And may you receive all the glory for every saint that, that um, brings glory and honor to you. Let that be their, their prayer. Let their life bring glory and honor to you. That little dash between the birth date and the death date might say, this man or this woman or this child loved Jesus. To you be the glory, Lord. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. You may be seated.
For uh, some reason, you know, this cross up here began to blink, I guess, after I got up at the pulpit, blinking all different colors, and somebody was trying to tell me that, you know, to take notice. And then when I got down, I saw it flashing. I usually keep it on red or pink, you know, for the blood of Christ. And that's our message today, really, the scarlet thread of redemption. And, you know, the blood of Christ is how you get to the scarlet thread. You know, that's, that's it. I'm going to explain it as we go. But I think the Lord wanted this cross changed to green so that you can know it's a go. When you see green, you say go. I want you to go for it today. All of you, for those of you out there that don't know Jesus, I want you to go for him today. Build up your courage as, as the word of God builds up your spirit within you. And don't be afraid to say yes to Jesus. Come, the light is green. God wants all to be saved, all none to perish, and all to come to re redemption through Christ Jesus. So our message today is the scarlet thread of redemption. You know, I've been working on this for a month, for a month. So I hope it turns out well. But the Lord just somehow just grabbed me. I was reading the Thompson Chain, one of my big Thompson Chain study Bibles, and this just stood out like a sore thumb. So I, I wanted to move to it. Our scripture verses really are Genesis 3, 21 and 22, and I'll read that to you right now. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, and now he might stretch out his hands and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. For those of you who just tuned in, I forgot to mention you're listening to Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. You can check us out on the website, uh, freedomchurchpbeast.org. Freedomchurchpbeast, PB stands for .org. And you can check us out, all about us. You can give, you can do anything you want on there. Check any of our messages out. But... Um, if you're local, come and see us sometime. We preach the, the inspired word of God with, the, with accuracy, okay? So, and also I'd like to couple that with, you know, Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. And according to the law, one may almost say, all things are cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. You know, that kind of bothered me, that verse. Almost all things are cleansed with blood? I thought all things were cleansed with blood. Then the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Satan can't be cleansed with blood. Hell can't be cleansed with blood. You know, um, the false prophet can't be cleansed with blood. The Antichrist can't be pled with, uh, you know, um, cleansed by blood. And you know what? According to, you might not like this, but according to Jesus' words, Judas couldn't be cleansed with blood after he denied him, for, denied him and, and, and betrayed him. As Jesus said, it had been better for that man to be thrown into the bottom of the sea with a millstone tied around his neck. Some things can't be cleansed with blood, but 
just almost everything else can be cleansed with blood. That's our message today. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. And we're going to look at this theme that runs through the entire Bible, the scarlet thread of redemption. It runs from Genesis 3.15 all the way to the end of the book, Revelation chapter 22, as you see the Lord Jesus saying, I'm going to come again. And I'm going to point out some of these things. Well, what is redemption? Redemption really has a twofold purpose. Number one, it's deliverance. It's God's rescuing you and me from danger, the danger of hellfire. It's a, the escape of our soul deliverance. It's freedom in Christ, which is why this church is named Freedom Church out of Galatians chapter 13. Redemption. We, we, because of we're deliverance, we are redeemed from the penalty of our sin, which is death, as you well know. It has another part, not only the part, twofold part of one, it says one is deliverance, the other one is redemption. We're redeemed from the power of Satan by the price Jesus paid, which is his blood. Which is his blood. It is holy blood. Redemption refers to the price paid for our deliverance. It's a new freedom. It's a new relationship with God. I don't know about you, but I had a very shallow, if any, relationship with God before I was born again. I thought I did, but I certainly wasn't obeying him, that's for sure. We have a new relationship because, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. It's a new life of love. You're born again. From now on, we aren't critical of people. We realize that they're, they need salvation. And even our brothers in Christ, instead of being critical to them, we realize that, that they need a touch from God, and we need to pray for them. So redemption is twofold. Deliverance and, re, I mean, Redemption is twofold. Number one, deliverance and redemption. Jesus' redemptive work really is threefold. Number one, through Christ's redemption, we receive forgiveness through the price he paid, again, with, with his blood. We receive forgiveness. Number two, we receive justification as our position before God is restored back to say, Adam and Eve, before they fell in the garden. Number three, the Lord's redemptive work promises us a final deliverance from, from sin. If you read Daniel chapter 9 in the 70 weeks, you'll find out that, that Jesus brought an end to sin. That's why Paul speaks about, you know, you know we can't sin. You've got to look at the triune man. You got to look at the spirit, the soul, the body. The spirit man, when you're born again, is absolutely 100% redeemed. He is saved. It's the flesh man that's got to catch up to him. And most of the time, the flesh wars against the spirit. You know that, Galatians 5.17. The spirit wars against the flesh so that we don't do what we want to do. See, the spirit's saying, don't do it, Joe. Don't do it. Don't do it. But then sometimes I do it anyhow. That's a problem. 
It's final deliverance from the power of sin, and that comes by the scarlet thread that runs through this entire Bible from Genesis 3.21, or Genesis 3.15, really, to the end. The thread begins right here in Genesis 3.21, which I just read you. 3.21, let me read it again. The Lord God made garments of skin from Adam and his wife and clothed them. That means blood was shed doesn't it? And it shows you that God shed the first blood. We cannot be redeemed with fig leaves. It can't be done. It has to be done with blood. And God was showing us from the very fall of man all the way to today and all the way into the millennium even. See, man fell. Eve, dece Eve was deceived. Adam took a choice. But the Lord visited them, as he always did, walked in the cool of the day in the garden. And one day the Lord came out, and, and uh, they were hiding from him. And he said, Adam, Adam, where are you? I remember, here's what Adam was doing. It's kind of like me playing hide-and-seek with my grandkids. I teach them how to play hide-and-seek, okay? And... Uh, I always tell them, you know, you've got to hide somewhere where nobody sees you. But you know what? They stand right in front of you to go to the corner there, and you pretend like you didn't see them. But you saw them, but you said, where, where are you? Where are you, honey? Where are you? But they're in plain sight. Adam thought he was out of the sight of God. Most people today think they're out of the sight of God, but they're in the sights of God everywhere they go because he's your father. You can't hide from God for those of you who've been running from him over the Internet or even in this service today. You can't hide from God. I tried to hide from God. I tried to run away from him, and the Lord, Lord gave me a dream showing me that that's what I was doing. And I woke up and accepted Jesus as my Savior from that dream. He told me I couldn't run from him. You can't run from him. You can't hide from him. So God slew the innocent animals, most likely, one for each, Adam and Eve, to cover them. The ground drank the blood of those animals. And since that time, the blood has been shed for the covering up of man's, man's sin. Animals have to die because of us. Don't put the blame on God. You sinned, and death entered into the world. Death is one of those things that cannot be cleansed with blood. Salvation. Your salvation can be cleansed with blood. And slaughtered an innocent animal became a victim, and God cooked the skins and covered up the nakedness. This was the first sacrifice. This was the first scarlet thread of redemption. It started by God, and it was finished by God. You remember who that was on the cross? Do you remember the teaching, if you were here on Thursday nights or listen over the Internet, in Genesis chapter 22, when Isaac and Abraham are walking up on Mount Moriah, in the mountains of Moriah, most likely Mount Moriah, and, and Isaac said to Dad, he said, Dad, we have the wood. He was carrying it on his back. We have the fire, but where's the sacrifice? To which Abraham answers Isaac and 
verse 8 of Genesis 22. He said, the Lord will provide himself the sacrifice. Don't read something into that that ain't there. God is telling you directly, God, he will be the sacrifice. And instead, a ram got its horns caught in the stickets and sticking instead of Isaac dying or being sacrificed, the ram, the lamb, a one-year-old male ram or lamb was, was sacrificed. God was saying, when this is all over, I will be your sacrifice for sin. He already planned on sending his son. You saw that in Genesis 3.15, where the seed of the woman will bruise Satan's skull, and Satan will only bruise his heel. The seed of the woman. You're going to see that even in the end, the saints in the kingdom of God in Revelation chapter 7 are washed. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Your sins are washed white in the blood of the Lamb. Come, let us reason together, says Isaiah. Though your sins be red as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Man fell. The scarlet thread of redemption began. Adam was deceived. I mean, Eve was deceived. Adam chose to die with his wife. You realize that? He chose his wife over God, which is why man is to protect his wife today. Adam illustrated that. I'm sorry. It happened that way. I wish it didn't. The Satan was cursed. The serpent was cursed. He was to eat dust all the days of his life. We know from Scripture that the serpent was a beautiful creature. Now he doesn't have any legs. He just slithers on the ground. So in a way, you could say our sin created the snake. So there's an enmity that's going to be going on because ser serpent is cursed. There's an enmity going on between Satan and the woman, between her seed and man's seed. But we know from Genesis 3.15, God had this planned all along that the seed of the woman was going to crush Satan's skull and Satan was only going to bruise his heel. The problem with that, the old-fashioned rabbis were stumped by this because they know that the seed is masculine and women do not have seed. This, they couldn't figure this out for, for hundreds of years. Man has the seed. And we know that the seed that was implanted in Mary, uh, the mother of Christ, was the, the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. It was the seed of God. That's why Jesus is called the Son of God, yet he's the Son of Man. He's 100% God, not 50%. 100% God, he's 100% man. We know that the promise of the seed, this seed, the Son of God, he's going to crush Satan's skull. And that, resort, that tells us right there, from the time Eve fell to now and into the final day when death, the last enemy, is going to be thrown into the lake of fire, there's going to be war. And there is war going on today in the souls of men and in the world everywhere you turn around. There's a war. You try to have peace and then somebody else gets into office and they make war. It's unbelievable. Another king comes along, another war. 
But we find out that Mary's case, the Holy Spirit carried the seed, the seed of Almighty God. Then the journey begins with the scarlet thread of redemption in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 2 through 5. And let me read that to you. Again, she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of flocks, and but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground, and Abel on his part brought of the firstlings of the flock and of the portions and the Lord had regard for Abel for his offering but the but for Cain and for his offering he had no regard so Cain became very angry and his countenance fell this is another sign of the scarlet thread of redemption Abel had to kill an animal to bring it before the Lord and the Lord was pleased with Abel's offering Cain brought the fruit of the ground it was not blood it does not cleanse and God was displeased all Cain had to do was give his brother some wheat and exchange it for a, a, a ram or a lamb so he could sacrifice it but instead his countenance fell and he was angry with God because Abel was a keeper of sheep. God's sacrifice was acceptable. Abel's sacrifice was acceptable. Cain's had, was not because there was no blood. God is beginning to paint a picture for us that only blood can cleanse man's nakedness. He can only cleanse man's sin by the blood. Back in the Old Testament, the blood only covered sin. In the New Testament, we find out that Jesus' blood washes away our sin. Our slate is clean. You cannot, put the death, you cannot put death off except by the blood. Spiritual death. You can't put it off. You can't put off sin. Colossians 3, 3 or 2, 13 through 15. I'm going to read that to you. Very important. These, this is powerful verses. If you don't memorize them, you know, it, it's, if you do memorize them, it would be blessed to your body. Here it is, Colossians 2, 13 through 15. When you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven all your transgressions, having canceled out all the certificate of death and of its decrees that were against us. He canceled it out. He wiped it out. He, he washed it away, by, which were hostile to us. He has taken it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. When he has disarmed the rulers and authority, he made a public spectacle of them, having triumphed, triumphed over him, them through him. That's going to happen in time when the blood of Christ is going to redeem. This blood through the entire Old Testament is, has one purpose, to allow mankind to respect the blood of the Lamb of God that will be shed to take away the sins of the world.
John 1.29. You, all this blood sacrificed in the Old Testament, the lambs, the goats, the, the, the doves, the birds, whatever it was, was all so you could realize that the blood is cleansing. And when it comes to the Lord shedding his blood, you better respect it. But instead, people trample it under their feet, saying it is unholy, says Hebrews chapter 10. Cain is the seed of the world. He represents jealousy, fury, insane violence, and all the sin that goes with it. Abel is murdered, and his blood is crying out from the ground. That tells you that the life is in the blood. It's recorded in Leviticus 17:11. Life is in the blood. Doctors just figured out maybe like 200 years ago, life's in the blood. They should just believe the Bible, the Word of God, and it would have been all settled back then. We know that the life is in the blood. If your blood drains out of your body, you're dead. That's all there is to it. Well, Cain chose to get angry, and according to the 13th verse, Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear. And verse 16, here's 